You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our Market Talk podcast. I'm Gavin O'Carroll from AIB. This is the second in a series of special podcasts focusing on the main sectors of the economy which are being impacted by the pandemic. Today we are focusing on the manufacturing and transport sectors which are intrinsically linked to their supply chains. We are most grateful that Simon McKeever, Chief Executive of the Irish Exporters Association, Elaine Dunn, representing both the manufacturing and transport sector teams of AIB, and our Treasury economist John Fahey join us here today. The impact of the crisis varies greatly across these sectors and businesses are being impacted positively and or negatively depending on the subsectors that they serve. Food, medical and essential businesses versus those businesses that are deemed non-essential at this time. Simon, thank you for joining us. Could you please give us an idea of how your members are dealing with the dramatic changes in business practices over recent weeks? Well, I suppose if we if we look at a few of the kind of things that are going on at the moment, we've been following this since very early January when we saw an interruption in supply chains coming out of China. You know, the disruption to Irish businesses and Irish manufacturing businesses uh, was beginning to hit at that point. So in the inbound supply chain, so component parts, uh, bits and pieces that were coming in, people who are importing things for end use in the country as well, began to see a bit of disruption in, in, their, um, in their inventory. And that was followed up then as the supply side tailed off in China, you know, during the later month of January and February and into into March on the transportation side, because there was less supply coming out of China. There was actually less demand for uh, shipping and uh, the ensuing bit on that at the end of it, of course, is obviously the road freight on that. And as that wave of COVID-19 has moved through Europe, that kind of disruption of the supply chain has kind of moved with it. So China, a lot of factories are running between about 70 and 90 percent at the moment. So the supply side is coming out of China again. We saw a kind of a blip in, in, in shipping and in that if you look at EU to China shipping, some of the shipping capacity was taken off when there was a disruption in China supply, it came back on a bit. But we're seeing now some of the EU China shipping supply been taken off at the moment um, because literally the demand coming out of the EU isn't there for components coming out of China and nor is the supply. So the exporting out of China, out of, sorry, out of Europe has, has dropped considerably out to that part of the world. So at the moment, if we look at the volumes that are going on in in transit into Ireland at the moment, it's running at around 40% of what it was. So that's the kind of volumes that are coming into the country. And as we are within the European Union at almost the kind of tail end in time of the COVID-19, we're going to probably be a little bit behind where uh, Europe is when Europe starts opening up from a production point of view. So talking to some of the hauliers last week, they were telling me that towards the back end of next week and into the following week, they're beginning to see um, some orders from some of the manufacturing companies bringing stuff into Ireland. I think it'll be a little bit longer before we see non-essential businesses opening up in, in Ireland. Talking to some of them over the last day or two, that the first, second week of May, we will hopefully see some of them coming back on stream. Okay, and in terms of what you're hearing also from the members, in terms of cost cutting and cash preservation, because obviously the two are interlinked, what are you hearing in that regard? What we're hearing, obviously, is that a lot of companies have put their staff uh, on a shorter week or have availed of the government supports in relation to that. And, and in terms of a restart, one of the issues that companies are having is that particularly for low paid workers in, in manufacturing is 
getting them back into the workplace. And whether it's a fear for their own safety or just, you know, being able to stay at home, a lot of the workforce hasn't turned up for work. And I think one of the things that will happen as we move back towards reopening our factories and that is that it'll it'll be difficult, I think, for, for companies to get the full workforce back into place. And in any downturn, in any any cash flow cycle downturn, companies obviously manage their cash. So they tend to slow down the people that they pay um, and they try to get as much um, debt recovered as they possibly can. So that's what is is going on in business. And the biggest cost for most companies is, is, is staff and inventory. And the, um, the wage subsidy scheme has been a very useful scheme for companies to be able to avail of bringing our economist John Fahey in. John, the latest IMF economic outlook highlights the very challenging backdrop for the Irish economy. How do you think this is going to impact the manufacturing and transport sectors? So we got the uh, IMF global economic outlook last week and what that suggested as a base case scenario was what you would term a U-shaped recovery. So in other words, by 2021, the global economy, advanced economies and the Irish economy whilst will improve from their very negative performance in 2020, where growth could be anywhere between 5 to 7% lower across those economies. They pick up to register growth of 4 to 5% in 2021, but they're still lower size economies than they were before the crisis uh, hit, so hence the uh, U-shaped recovery name to it. Now, what will kickstart that for the Irish economy, like many other economies, is basically an easing of the restrictions that are in place at the moment around the spread COVID-19. So we've seen that in some uh, economies, Germany, Spain, Italy have started to ease back on certain restrictions because for all intents and purposes at the moment, a lot of those economies had been uh, shut down key sectors. So the sectors you talk about there, manufacturing uh, and transport, really a lifting of restrictions in the economy in general, helping demand and helping the supply side especially around the restrictions around travel will help the transport element uh, and more generally just more activity happening in the economy will help the manufacturing sectors uh, and obviously those sectors that are uh, servicing the global economy from a demand perspective, improvement in those other key economies where they start to get back to some level uh, of normality over the next couple of months. But the key thing really is is uh, an easing back of the restrictions in place to allow economies to reopen. Thanks, John. Simon, if we do just take a moment to look ahead to the recovery, whenever that comes, the outlook varies considerably whether you are still operating as an essential business or waiting for the restrictions to ease, as as you mentioned. Either way, these companies are intertwined in these complex supply chains, both at home and abroad. Where do you see, Simon, the businesses, uh, what they should be doing now so that they are best prepared once we hopefully moved into into that recovery phase? Just a couple of things on what you were saying there, Gavin. The first thing is to is to say, even when we look at what are deemed as essential businesses, so food and pharma, we're seeing different trends emerging in that. So a lot of the food companies that are at the high end, making high end value added products, there there is a little bit less demand for their goods domestically here in Ireland than there would be for the staples. And that's the first thing to say. And then for, on the pharma side, we would do a lot of the export certs for the pharmaceutical industry. And, and certainly in the first two weeks of April, 
that business is at around 40% of what it normally was. Now, March was was a very good month and it will it will be the end of April before we figure out, because of the Easter break, exactly what uh, April looks like. But to me, it looks like there isn't as much pharma moving off the island as as we may be led to, to believe because of its it being an essential service. So in terms of going back to work and people getting ready to go back to work, there's two big concerns, well, actually three on on business leaders' minds. The first of those I've already alluded to is, will in a manufacturing process where you have low-skilled labour, will they be able to entice all of their workforce back into place, uh, number one? Number two, this with the next one is, is, is equally up there, is how do you make sure that the environment is a safe place for both employees and customers that may be coming in and out? The National Standards Authority of Ireland, the NSAI, is taking the lead on providing information on what a safe workplace should look for. So I would ask people to have a look at their website. Um, but, you know, it, it will go back to some of the measures that were put in place just before the shutdown, which was split shifts, you know, making sure that people are working in segregated smaller groups, that um, at the lunchtime and at breaks, people are segregated into much smaller groups, that people come in and out of factories at different times, that there is, where required, basic protective equipment in place. So is, is there going to be masks is there going to be goggles to make sure that people aren't rubbing their hands into their face and into their into their nose and into their mouth is a basic one. A very simple one is, can you leave a door open? Can you put doors on automatic so that they'll automatically shut after somebody goes through the door? So how do you make sure that the environment is a safe place to to work in? So those are the first two. The third one then is liquidity. And I think the liquidity has two particular issues in it. One is on a domestic basis. So how do we how do we make sure that there's enough liquidity flowing into our companies at home? But in the exporting sector, that's a global market. And if you look at inbound and outbound supply chains, for a company that wants to reopen in three or four weeks' time, the first thing they're going to do is see do they have all the component parts that they need to be able to do a run for two or three weeks. And if they don't, they're going to have to get those parts in. And they're going to need to finance those, most likely. And they're going to need to cover the foreign exchange risk of that, most likely. And that brings in a degree of complexity overseas particularly if a, if a business may have been shut for three or four weeks and suppliers out in China might be paying for money at this stage for stuff that they've already provided them to. From an operating point of view, you, you'll need to cover the wages and other operating costs. And then on the export side, the costs of that uh, will need to be covered. And one of the concerns that has been raised to me recently is uh, how will my customer pay for goods that they are buying off me um, and how can I trust that that customer will still be there by the time the goods arrive and there's two two parts of that in terms of financing it um, some companies have suggested that they will need to provide finance to their their own customers in order for them to be able to buy those goods so a bit like the motor industry now that might require a financial institution sitting in be behind them um, and the, the second one then is export credit and we as a country are at a decided disadvantage both within the European Union and around the world and that we don't have a state backed export credit agency uh, and you will have seen the moves from Germany uh, and France last week where they have come out with their own reinsurance type model um, and it's something that we've been calling very clearly for in government that, that we need to drop our long-held resistance to having a state export credit agency 
I'm just going to bring Elaine in from our sector specialists area. Elaine, you're deeply engaged in the manufacturing sector of the economy and today representing also the transport sector, as we said, uh, linked with the actual supply chains. What guidance can you offer customers on how to approach their bank for support? Yeah, sure, Gavin. Well, I suppose firstly, just to reiterate what Simon said there in his comments, that these really are uncertain times for manufacturing and transport customers. And as we go into the recovery phase, this is going to last some time, this uncertainty. But I suppose really what we all need to remember is everyone has the ultimate objective here, and that's to protect business in this crisis. These two sectors are extremely important in continuing to serve the economy at this time, and some operators will form part of the solution. But as you'd imagine, and I think Simon's alluded to this really in his piece, that customers are experiencing different challenges and opportunities. Regardless, though, of what path they're on, I suppose protecting these businesses remains a primary objective. And I think today what I'd like to do is probably walk you through a five-step approach to help you with this planning and managing of these challenges and difficulties from a financial perspective. The first, I suppose, step is if you have not already done this, you need to be absolutely aware of your cash position. This includes your cash at bank, overdraft or other work capital facilities that may be available and possibly any other sources of income or cash that you may have available. The next step is to prepare a detailed three-month cash flow, which reflects the length of a normal working capital cycle. Absolutely, as part of this, look at your cost base, eliminate unnecessary costs and consider what payments can be deferred, such as rent or tax. Revenue are willing to defer payments and have indicated that late interest payments are suspended, but you do need to engage with them and continue to file your tax returns. Also, avail of the three-month loan repayment breaks being offered by AIB or your bank. You should also engage with your suppliers at this time. You need to know if there's going to be any change in your credit terms and your pricing. Also, is there any potential to extend out those credit days any further? Maintaining a strong relationship with your suppliers is crucial. And do discuss, I mean, Simon alluded to there that there's going to be delays and this is going to be an ongoing thing. So really, you need to understand what disruption is expected and what the impact this may have on the availability of raw materials and possibly as well on your pricing. Also engage with your customers. You really need to ensure that you're going to be able to continue to collect payment of goods. And also you need to understand what their order book looks like, what their customer's order book looks like, and therefore you can plan your production also. The third step is scenario planning. This is really looking realistically at when your business may open and how long it will take to be fully operational. Also, you need to consider how long it will take for demand to recover and review existing stock levels. Looking at the different scenarios, both upside and downside, and using realistic assumptions will assist you to know what your position is. And I think this will help you calculate how much financial support you will need. The fourth step is to assess what financial options are available to you. There are a range of supports available from AIB or your bank, but also engage with government agencies such as Enterprise Ireland and the SBCI who've announced a comprehensive range of supports for you. The fifth and final step is to engage with your bank. Prepared with your analysis and you will have more of an idea of what level of financial support you require. Be totally upfront with what your financial requirements are and we in AIB can work with you collaboratively to find solutions to get through this crisis together. Simon, just let's look ahead just in terms of the future supply chains of Irish businesses. 
do you think they will be significantly changed post the pandemic? And there's a second part to that question. Are there opportunities for these Irish companies now as well? Do I think they will be significantly changed? And if I put the word immediately after the pandemic, and, and who knows when immediately after the pandemic is, because, you know, we're probably going to be in some level of social isolation for another 12 months or so, which means will people actually jump on a plane and fly to different parts of the world? So my sense talking to companies is that they're will over time be a move to bring their supply chains closer to home than they currently are at the moment. So there is a huge amount of business done with China at the moment, and China is very, very far away. Uh, and I think because there is a, a, an over-reliance on one particular part of the world, it would never surprise me that you will see that supply chain moving closer to closer to home. So probably towards the European Union, uh, maybe maybe towards the United States, as long as there isn't a tariff war. But my sense is that you will see that coming closer to home. I don't think people want to have this level of risk in one place. You know, not having all your eggs in one basket is, is a prudent place to go. Um, so I think you will see some of that. Is there an opportunity for Irish businesses in this going forward? There may well be, because I think that international companies within the European Union will look to move their supply chains closer, are a part of their supply chain closer to home. And home being within the European Union, maybe the United States as well. But I think there's been this over-reliance on one part of the world to make nearly everything. And I think the world will will look to move away from that just, just from a, a risk point of view. The other elephant sitting in the corner of this room, of course, is Brexit and all of this. And you will have seen comments coming out of the British government last week where they fully intend to not extend Brexit beyond the end of the year. One of the reasons that that may be is because the um, they don't particularly want to be part of a massive pay into a European budget. Um, to cover the cost of COVID-19. They want to do their own thing. So that's sitting out there. And there's a real danger that, you know, if if companies in Ireland don't get reasonably back up to speed till post the summer or so, there's a three or four month run into Brexit and all that that entails as well. You are absolutely spot on regarding that Brexit threat uh, being in the background. We know it from our own uh, foreign exchange customers in the bank that, you know, that, that risk is out there and certainly it, it has not gone away. Elaine, just bringing you back in in terms of AIB, could you just give us a quick summation of where we're at at the moment? Yeah, sure. No problem, Gavin. Well, I suppose what I'd say is AIB remains fully operational. Our branch network is open and over 90% of our staff are working remotely. So our business teams are available to speak with you. I would encourage you to make contact with your business advisor as early as possible and do continue that line of communication. So I suppose I'd finish off by saying whether this crisis poses challenges or opportunities for your business, AIB is here to support you. Elaine, that's a lovely way just to finish from uh, AOB's perspective. Simon, just from the manufacturing and transport type sectors, those exporters coming through your membership, what do you think they're looking to key in the next few weeks? Is it the reopening of the economy in a staged phase basis? Certainly the discussions that I'm involved in are very much about a restart and, and how you might get that restart going and what do those phases look like and what will be required to do it. The first one being the um, the safety of employees and um, customers. And the second bit being the liquidity and the financing piece. 
So for me, I think there's still a huge amount of uncertainty out there, but I think it would be very useful if we could get a sense from, from government about you know what those stages look like. That's where the conversation is currently at at the moment. But I would be very worried that if we don't see that move towards a restart very quickly in the next few weeks, then we're in it. We're we're going to be locked in a position of stasis where where very little has moved on, and companies will be continuing to try to manage workers at home where they can, but also with very little cash coming in and out of those businesses. So, I, I think there's. I I would like to say that it's it's more than just hope that there there is going to be a phased reintroduction into the workplace within about a month and moving forwards from that. Sincerely, thanks to Simon, Elaine and John for giving of your time and valuable insights to us today. That's Simon McKeever, CEO of the Irish Exporters Association, Elaine Dunn of AIB's Corporate Institutional and Business Banking Team, and John Fahey, our Senior Economist, bringing you the important steps you could be taking to get through this crisis and these uncertain times. For more detailed information on this sector podcast and indeed this special sector series, please see details and links attached. For the full range of AIB supports available to our customers, please visit aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.